Well, hey, welcome to all of you here this afternoon, those of you who are joining us in the room, uh, those of you who are over at Pewaukee, welcome, and those of you who are joining us online, uh, wherever you are, whether you're in your home, your dorm room, or uh, maybe you're at your work desk uh, over a lunch break, we're so glad uh, that you're here as we take today to remember the most pivotal part of our story as sons and daughters of the living God. Good Friday is the day we take to remember specifically uh, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay our debt through the giving up of his own life. Tomorrow and Sunday we get to gather together for Easter to uh, celebrate his resurrection to new life, the most important moment uh, in all of human history and in our lives uh, for those of us who follow Jesus. We have services here tomorrow night at uh, 5 p.m. and at all of our campuses on Sunday uh, at 8, 9:30, and 11. We'd love to see you there. We'd love to celebrate with you. Uh, we'd love to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. Uh, we'd love for you to be able to make it, and we'd love for you to, to be able to bring someone with you who needs to hear a message of hope, forgiveness, and redemption. Uh, but that's in a couple days. And I believe that it's really important for us to not skip over what today is. It's important for us as followers of Jesus to remember the day that he was crucified and that he died on the cross because it was his sacrifice for us that has given us freedom from our sin. We remember the act of mercy and love that he did on this day, that he loved us so much that he would go to a cross to die for us even though we don't deserve it. The greatest act of love ever given. And so this afternoon, I actually wanna bring us back uh, to an earlier part of the story, uh, the night before Jesus uh, was crucified. This has, in the Holy Week, been known as Maundy Thursday, or uh, the, the night of the Last Supper, where Jesus uh, gathered his disciples to be together one last time before he would go to the cross. Uh, this is a very well-known scene in scripture, maybe even to people who uh, don't follow Jesus. Uh, you've probably all seen the, the painting of the Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, and uh, this is very well-known to people. And I want us to dive into this moment before Good Friday because I think it's important for us to know who is in the room with Jesus. Who is sitting at the table with Jesus. There are a lot of different guys here, uh, people with different backgrounds, different origins, different personalities, different struggles. And by seeing who else is at the table with Jesus, I think it can help us understand even better how incredible the sacrifice of Jesus was. And so I wanna read this passage from Matthew 26 uh, that'll set the stage for what's going on uh, at this table. Uh, Matthew 26, starting in verse 20, says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man, for it would be better for him had he not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, you have said so. 
While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to all of them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, uh, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus is here with all 12 of his disciples, the guys that he's been traveling with and teaching about the kingdom of God, and he knows at this point what's going to happen to him. But there's an interesting point of order in this passage that I think it's important for us to look at. See, Jesus identifies Judas as the one who will betray him before he serves them the bread and the cup. And I think this is a very intentional act uh, from Jesus in this moment. See, Jesus knew he couldn't change what Judas was going to do. He knew he couldn't change that, but he could still show him that he was about to go to the cross and die even for someone like Judas. Jesus died for the deserter. He died for the person who feels too far gone. The people in our lives that are the hardest to deal with, the people that we believe are unsavable, the people we look at and say there is no hope for them. Jesus died for them. Jesus died for the people who have walked away, who have left, who have deserted Jesus. Judas deserted Jesus and the mission of the kingdom. He walked away. And I wonder how many of us find ourselves having a similar part of our story. See, contrary to popular belief in the kingdom of God, uh, deserting is not permanent. Deserting does not have to be a permanent thing. We can always come running back to Jesus. And we can always count on the fact that he will have open arms ready to embrace us, ready to welcome us back when we make that decision. And I think that is so important for us to remember. The sacrifice of Jesus has no heavenly bounds for earthly sin. It has no limits to the amount of grace it can provide someone. The sacrifice of Jesus was for anyone and everyone on the spectrum from the most evil people to the ones that we would call saints. See, it would have made rational sense in the story of the Last Supper for Jesus to reveal Judas as the one who would betray him, send him on his way, and have the Last Supper with the remaining 11. But Jesus, even with the knowledge of Judas, even knowing what's in Judas's heart, chooses in that moment to serve him. He chooses to show Judas mercy and grace. And not only in that moment, but even as he is on the cross, bearing the weight of the sin of the world, he died for Judas. Jesus didn't just die for the people who do the right thing. He died for the people who do all the wrong things too. And there's never an absence of hope for those people who come home to Jesus. If we move just a few verses ahead in this story, we find, um, uh, we find the disciples and, and Jesus heading to the Mount of Olives to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And on the way, Jesus decides to hit him with a little bit of, a, of another hard truth. 
um, starting in verse 31, it says, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all desert me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Here's another person in the story that Jesus knows what he's going to do. The second disciple he's called out tonight. And as many of us know, the story continues that Jesus is arrested uh, and he is uh, uh, taken away to go before the high priest and uh, he goes to be crucified. And sure enough, three times, Peter is asked about Jesus. Peter is accused of, of knowing and being affiliated with Jesus three times and all three times, even getting angry, Peter denies and disowns Jesus. But there's something between these moments that Peter does that I wanna hone in on uh, for a moment. It happens right after Jesus is arrested and he's making, uh, making his way to the high priest. This is what it says in uh, verse 57. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. So here's Peter just hours before this, saying that he would never deny Jesus, even that he would die with him. And Matthew notes specifically in his gospel account that Peter followed Jesus from a distance. And just a few moments later would deny ever even knowing him. But Jesus, knowing that this would happen, still chose to die for Peter. The second idea from this story today is that Jesus died for the distant. Jesus died for the distant. Maybe, uh, maybe some of us follow Peter's lead and we follow Jesus, but only from a distance. We follow Jesus, but only when it's comfortable. We put our faith in him, but only when times are really really desperate or when times are really, really good. See, when times are desperate, when things are hard, we suddenly recognize our need for Jesus again. And so we put our faith in him when times are hard and when times are good, we, we remember him because things are okay and things are good. But where are we in that middle ground of faith when things are normal, when things are average? Friends, I want you to know that Jesus loves you uh, enough that he went to the cross to die for you. But he also loves you way too much to leave you in a place of complacency or contentment. He wants you to dive in. He doesn't want you to dip your toe in when it's comfortable or dip your toe in when it feels necessary. He wants 100% of you 100% of the time. And you are never too far gone for Jesus. It's never too late to find your way back to him. If you are distant from Jesus, or if you feel like you've gone through a season of drought in your faith, I wanna invite you to today, right here, right now, to come back, to come back to him, 
make your way back to him and discover for yourself that it is never too late. His grace has no boundaries or time limits. Come back to him. He will welcome you with open arms. The third disciple I want to talk about that reclined at the table with Jesus is Thomas. Some of you might know what Thomas was most known for, as many people refer to him as doubting Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12 disciples that traveled with Jesus, but uh, after Jesus had died and resurrected, uh, he appeared to his disciples. But in John's account of the gospel, uh, it says that Thomas wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus appeared to him. So we pick up in John chapter 20, uh, verse 24. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here's the final idea from this story today is that Jesus died for the doubter. Jesus died for the doubter. He died for the people who say, this can't be true. This can't be real. See, as humans, our natural tendency is to believe in things that are tangible, things that we can see, things that we can, that we can touch, things that uh, uh, react to our senses, uh, things that we can know for sure are real. But I love how Jesus responds to Thomas after he believes. Thomas's belief, even in that moment, was based on the fact that he could see and feel Jesus. His belief was still based around his senses. See, belief found him in that moment, but faith still escaped him. Jesus responds by saying, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus is saying that belief and faith can't just be based on our senses. Belief and faith can't just be based on things that we can touch, things that we can feel and see. Jesus, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, says, for we live by faith, not by sight. And in Hebrews 11, he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not See, Jesus could have easily said, Thomas, I shouldn't have to prove it to you. I shouldn't have to prove to you who I am and, and what I've done. But even in Thomas's doubt and his lack of faith, Jesus extends himself to Thomas. He allows himself to, to prove it to Thomas. I believe that doubt is a very regular thing. And I want to encourage you and I want to let you know that doubt does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It's okay to have doubts. It's normal. Because Thomas 
sat at the table with Jesus that night. And just like the others, Jesus knew that this exchange would take place. He knew the heart of Thomas. But at that table, Jesus served Thomas along with everyone else. He served Thomas along with Judas, the one who would betray him. He served him along with Peter, the one who would deny ever even knowing him. And along with all the others who had problems and struggles and issues of their own. Friends, the reason I share these stories today on Good Friday is because I want us to see that Jesus truly died for everyone. We just wrapped up our For Everyone series last weekend where uh, we talked about uh, how Jesus was and is for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, that in your mind disqualifies you from following Jesus. At both campuses, we built uh, these walls that, that light up and they say, this is for everyone. And all those light bulbs are names of people who we believe need to know and find Jesus and experience his love and his forgiveness. Jesus died for the names on that board. There were some people sitting at this table that did some bad things, just like you and me. But in that moment, Jesus chose to serve them all out of love and grace. And then he chose to go die on a cross that Friday. He chose to bear the weight of our sin and the sin of the world so that we might be saved. He became the sacrifice we needed so that we could be in a right relationship with the Father. He went to the cross to nullify our sin, to pay our debt. And it's something we don't deserve. It's a love that shows no bounds or limits, a love that is unconditional. And today we remember that that love was given to us through Jesus. But back then, and right now, Jesus invites you to the table. He invites you to be a part of his kingdom. He invites you to receive his love and his forgiveness. No matter what you've done, no matter how far away from Jesus you feel, you are invited to the table. There's a spot that he's prepared for you. And all you have to do is accept that invitation. And if that's you, if you wanna accept that invitation, if you wanna say yes to Jesus, we're having baptisms at all of our Easter services this year, and we would love to celebrate that decision with you. We would love to celebrate the decision to say, yes, I'm gonna follow you. Yes, I'm gonna be with you. We would love to celebrate that together. If that's you and you wanna accept Jesus's invitation, head out to the Next Steps Hub after service at either campus you're at. Uh, someone there would be happy to help you get signed up and get ready to go so that we can all celebrate your decision together. Jesus wants you at the table with him, baggage and struggles and all. He just wants you and he wants you so much that he died on a cross 
2,000 years ago, forgiving sin, past, present, and future, and creating a path for right and perfect relationship with him. And so as a way to remember this, we're gonna take communion together today. We're gonna take a moment to all be at the table together, to, to take part in what Jesus and the disciples did thousands of years ago. Come to the table. There's a spot for you. He's prepared a place for you at the table. And all you need to do is accept his invitation. There are a few stations around the room, a couple uh, up here up front and then uh, a couple in the back um, that you can go to and you can, you can grab communion. But as we do this, um, I have a couple of passages that I wanna read uh, to lead us into this moment. Um, and then I'll pray before we take communion uh, and continue to worship together. In 1 Corinthians 11, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. First Peter 3, 18 says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, today for the sacrifice of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that uh, through that sacrifice, through your love for us, we've been restored. We've been made whole, we have been made right. And God, today we remember the cost that it had. And we thank you, we give you our gratitude uh, for it. Father, we thank you for these stories. We thank you that we don't have to be uh, perfect to sit at the table with Jesus. We thank you that we don't have to have it all together, that we can have struggles, that we can have doubts, but still you invite us and still you draw us in. And for that today, we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.